wherever you listen throughout the world. It's football time! Another week of the Gridiron, guys. We are another week done of football, uh, finals football. It was another round of good, hard, honest, just absolute lead-in-pencil football. It really got stuck into it this week. Uh, my name's Zach, and as always, Cam's joining us. How are you going, Cam? Yeah, doing pretty well this week. I've just had, I suffered from a few migraines and headaches just due to the uh, blood rushing back after what a weekend we've just had. Yeah, it was huge, wasn't it? Uh, it was just topsy-turvy all over, and I don't think anyone could have asked for anything else, could they? No, nah, it was just wild. It's probably one of the best divisional round we've ever seen over the last, I don't know how long. But, I mean, all these games came down to the wire. Three games came down to a field goal to win it, and the other one went to OT. Yeah, and just blokes falling off. Uh, number one seeds getting knocked off. The home ground advantage seemingly not needed anymore. But uh, I suppose we should just tuck into it, shouldn't we? We kicked off the week with the Bengals taking on the Titans. Uh, this one started off horrendously for the Titans. Uh, Ryan Tannehill throwing a pick on the first play of the game. Yeah, absolute shocker. What a horrible start. I think he ended up going, what, a pick on the first play, a pick just starting after half time, and a pick to finish the game. And, I mean, that last one was an absolute shocker, throwing a man surrounded by three guys. Oh, it was just a bad read, wasn't it? And I think we were talking about this last week. The Titans, they did have Derrick Henry back and we thought they might be able to get over the young Bengals. But the issue is always going to be Tannehill if he can keep a hold of the ball and keep it safe. Big rocks or diamonds guy, today he was rocks. Absolute coal. Yeah, he was horrible. Um, and I guess, yeah, you said last week, you said, look, he could come out and blast him or he could come out and stink up a storm. And I think we got the latter. Now, look... Impressive. I think it's the second time it's only ever happened. Is Joe Burrow? I mean, he basically played without an offensive line. He was sacked nine times, and they still managed to jag a win. I don't know how that's possible, but I mean, well played. He just got absolutely beaten up, didn't he? There was no chance. There was no option for any runners at all. Um, I don't even think like the Titans blitzed that much, to be honest. Like they were just decimated that O line. That front seven of the Titans was good, and they and I think. Their um, secondary has been so good. Nobody in the Pro Bowl, but I think they had two all-pro safeties and the corners were quite handy as well, so go figure. But they were able to keep the time, you know, running and making Burrow hold on to that footy and letting those guys get to him, as he said, a record nine times. Yeah, it's just, it's just crazy. I mean, Burrow's just exceeding all expectations here, I suppose. I mean, history was against the Bengals from the get-go, never winning a road playoff game in their career, and he's just come in and just dominated. And I think in their last seven road games, you see they're six and one. Like, this is a dominant football team. And look, I'm not going to write them off for this week's game, but it's going to be hard to put past them. No, absolutely not at all. Considering their regular season form as well against the Chiefs, they put it up to them. Um, the main standouts, again, as always, Jamar Chase, he just keeps delivering and delivering. Uh, he had 109 yards. One of those long was 57, and that was all his own. That was off like a screen pass as well. So he just blitzed the secondary and ran that one down. That was a beauty to watch. Uh, Higgins and Uzoma were great as well. But, again, just the Bengals, just their defence as well. They were able to put that pressure on Tannehill. They were able to put that pressure on Henry. They tried to feed Henry the rock. They gave him 20 runs. 
but he just wasn't able to get as much sort of traction as you would have hoped for him. No, absolutely not. Like, yeah, we kind of expected him, and I think they had a couple of game like drives where they went for it on fourth, and like that's been the sort of key this season. A lot of teams are going for it on fourth, but they just couldn't get it. And you think with Derek Henry, you've got to be able to get these things. Like, you've got a guy that can steamroll anyone, and your line just needs to do a job. But I mean, Bengals credit to them stopped him. Yeah, they got. And then how about the Cajonas on the kicker? That was great. He's come out, called it before he's even kicked it, and he's made the ceiling one, didn't he? Oh, he's just got some serious confidence, this bloke. And fair play to him, like, it was a fucking great hit. Um, but, look, Bengals, I, I did predict this. I said I think they matched up well against Titans. I didn't think – I wasn't 100% confident because I thought Titans, number one seed. But I, I don't believe they've actually won many games in the playoffs at home. I'm not sure what that record is, but I believe some teams have won more games than them in Nashville in the playoffs. Yeah. So I suppose looking forward for Tennessee, they're out now. Obviously, the main concern is going to be a QB. They have sort of shown that they've got the right guys. You know, Henry is decent normally. He was coming back from an injury, so I suppose there's that. Their defense is just absolutely elite, probably one of the best in the league, we know. And AJ Brown balled out, and Tulio Jones was actually quite on target as well. He didn't drop, I think he dropped maybe one. So the the pieces are there. They're obviously a QB away. I think they've they signed Tannehill to a big deal, didn't they? So are they going to try and move on from that, do you think, or stay with him? Yeah, that's a massive question. I think I'm not sure what the contract is or what he's sort of signed up for. They, are, You're right. They are one QB away, like a few teams, but these are definitely – this is a team that is one QB away from being super dominant. Now, Russell Wilson's sort of in that picture. I, I don't know anyone else, maybe Kirk Cousins, but I, I don't know if you're getting that much more different if you're getting Kirk Cousins than Ryan Tannehill, do you think? Uh, I think possibly a bit better deep ball and things like that and just mm. – uh, yeah, you're right. They're fairly similar, but – I think, again, they're sort of looking for that playoff-winning QB, which, you know, Ryan Tannehill, maybe Kirk Cousins as well to an effect, are quite good in the regular season, not in the playoffs, you know, not like those guys like Russell Wilson or Tom Brady and those sorts of type. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, look, I think that'll be the biggest question mark over the times in the offseason, and it's crazy to think that the one seed's bombed out. It hasn't happened much in previous history, and both teams happening, that's, that's super rare. So, look... Yeah, Titans on to bigger and better things next year potentially. I don't think they're going to fade away, but look, Bengals are on to huge things already. Yeah, and as you sort of alluded to there, another number one seed that went down, we're at Lambeau Field. We really thought here the Packers, home ground advantage in the cold, they would sort of have it. They had the 49ers, um, so it's looking like a pretty easy thing. But I suppose that weather, it probably got too bad that it almost, you know, created havoc for both teams. No one was able to play in that. I think it got down to about, like, um, zero Fahrenheit, which is about, like, minus 17. Like, so that's just ridiculous. So I think that worked against both teams almost. Uh, we always say this rain is the ultimate leveller, and this was essentially just, like, sleet out there. So you just could not do anything. You saw that no one was able to gain traction on the ground, and it was really a bit of an arm wrestle, wasn't it? Oh, it was a massive arm wrestle. And as you said, yeah, look, the, the weather normally plays into Green Bay's hand. But I believe, like, I think Aaron Rodgers played, was he's playing too safe towards mm. the end. Like, I mean, he's only got that, he only looks towards that one target and he was just not really opening up as much as I believe he should have. He played super conservative and it really didn't play well, well for him in the end. No, not at all. I mean, because you see, like, he went 20 for 29 for 220 yards, no interception. So that's actually not a bad day. Um, no touchdowns mm. as well. 
But as you said, he literally just went to Jones and Adams the whole day. They had nine receptions each. And then Lazard and Lewis only had one each themselves, and that was it. Yeah, exactly. Look, he was just sort of looking for and looks rightfully so. Devontae Adams is super elite, but it just became too predictable in the end, and that defense really sort of started to get a hand on him. Um, but look, I suppose the biggest question mark now, we know Aaron's potentially most probably done in Green Bay, but the biggest question mark after this is his record in the playoffs. Now, this doesn't probably get scrutinized as enough because his record was pretty good given the four-win streak when he first was second season when he won the Super Bowl. Since then, they've gone seven and nine in playoffs. A lot of those are straight-out divisional losses, and then I think he's only ever won one NFC championship, the same as Jared Goff. So his record in the playoffs actually isn't that great. No, and he's actually 0-4 against the 49ers in the playoffs. So clearly they've got his number. Uh, so you can see that there. I think it's a hard thing looking at records in the playoffs because we've sort of seen Brady, who's been able to go out and just dominate playoffs year on year, and he's made that kept that clock ticking over, I suppose, whereas what we find in um, NFL is, you know, one loss and you're out type thing. So those losses can add up if you're playing in the playoffs every single year and not able to make it, making it past that first round, I suppose. But, again, I think looking at just his NFC championship record, not just playoff record, you can see he's only won one. So the fact that he's been able to get to the big dance a couple of times and fallen at that final hurdle, that's probably saying a lot more than just his overall playoff record as well. Yeah, that's right. And I think when I was reading something the other day, people were sort of slandering and someone said, look, yes, yes, he is for dominant force in that team, but he obviously is only part of the team now. He's... In, in terms of an individual player, he's absolutely brilliant. In the regular season, I think that's where he shines. Like, their regular season records each year are just unbelievable. But, yeah, come playoffs, I think this gets put under the microscope more now. They lost the NFC Championships four times, Divisional two four times, and the Wild Card two times. Like, he gets them then and they just sort of bottle it. I don't know what happens. A lot of these ones have sort of been at home. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know what the issue is there because it's not as if you're not a good player. I just don't know what happens come playoffs. Yeah. Well, I suppose for this game, if you want to have a, examine this sort of game, they played quite a good game. As you said, it was very safe and conservative. So they did get up and score that early touchdown and were able to put the pressure on San Francisco. And literally, San Francisco had no, no chance to score a touchdown all game. So they absolutely put the clamps on. It was great. It was the special teams that ruined them. And it's unfortunate that it does come down to something like that. But credit to San mm. Francisco because they went out towards the end of the second half. They blocked a field goal. And then their only touchdown, which was towards the end of the game, they blocked the punt and then they returned for a touchdown. Yeah, look, that's what it is. You're right. It's a story of the special teams. I mean, a lot of the weekend of the story of the special teams. But yeah, they blocked punt. And then I think what, in, in to sum it up, I was on that final play for the field goal. I think they only had 10 men out on the field green bay. Their special teams really short, and I think special teams, including our very own Mitch Nowski, who got a lot of praise for holding the free right at the end. The uh, Fox Sports Australia was absolutely riding him home, but I mean, good job. No, he did it in the tough weather, so again, another field goal to win it. Um, but then, as we said, we look at the knockout team, Green Bay, what sort of happens with them? Obviously, the biggest question is Rogers. Is he the talk? I think his career in Packerville is done. we got to say he's clearly squeezed out enough. As you said, his playoff record, they just haven't been able to cross the line for whatever reason. And so I think they really had a go. The last couple of years, you could say they were not 
very depth-wise on squad and things like that. This year they had a great team, number one in the league. Everything was going their way. But again, they just couldn't deliver. So I think he squeezed as much as he can out of that lemon. He's got to go somewhere else. I think Adams, there was also talk about him, but as you sort of mentioned a couple of times, he'll probably get franchise tagged. There's no way they let their two best players leave in one off-season. The Rogers certainly uh, free agency or potentially I wouldn't even put it past him to retire, to be honest. Yeah, well, I think that's the thing. In the press conference right afterwards, he said, look, if, if this is a part of a rebuild, I'm, I don't want to be part of a rebuild. Like, And that's probably where Green Bay are headed, as you've just suggested. Um, I guess looking at the betting market for teams he's potentially going to, you guys in Denver are leading the way in terms of the shortest odds. Then you kind of got the Steelers and a few others. Now, are you holding out hope that he might land with you guys? Absolutely. Oh, fuck. I have dreams about it every night. It's the best. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but I think an interesting one, you brought it up. He's announcing, uh, if you want to read into it a bit more, he's announcing his next decision mm. in Indianapolis. Now, bad end to the season. They've got a, quite a good team. I'm pretty sure their owner is quite happy. He's stated publicly that he's quite happy to see the backside of Wentz, to be honest. Uh, so not much confidence there. That could be alluding to something. I don't know. Are we reading too much into the tea leaves here? Yeah, look, that's the thing, I suppose. Because he's doing it on the Pat McAfee show, and I, I assume Pat McAfee still lives in Indianapolis. But, yeah, look, if they land him, that is spelled danger for the ASC. I think if the Colts can land Aaron Rodgers and keep the team they've got, him and Jonathan Taylor, and then I guess some of these up-and-coming wide receivers, this team is going to be dominant. Yeah, and you look at his division, if he goes into that division, he gets quite an easy run into the AOC. So I think one of the issues that plays against us is we're in the, obviously the West, which has the Chiefs, the yeah. Raiders and the Chargers. All, all three of those were playoff teams this year and we just sat on the outside. Uh, Raiders potentially on a decline if Carr leaves, but the Chargers and the Chiefs quite very strong. You can't see him going into the Bills or Patriots division uh, because Patriots and Bills are obviously set and those other two teams are junk, so he's not going to go anywhere near those. Look, to be honest... Indianapolis seems like a good spot. He's got some quite easy games. What does he play? Like the Jags, Texans, and the Titans. You know, so obviously Titans would be good, but again, they could quite easily dismantle them if they want to. And then you get two nice, easy games against the Texans and the Jags. Oh, 100%. Look, I think, yeah, we talked about that earlier this week. And that is probably the sweetest landing spot in terms of what you can do here. He'll probably have a cracking regular season record again there. But, yeah, I suppose that in the north, I guess he gets more of a challenge if he goes to the Broncos during the regular season, which isn't the worst thing, I suppose. It bodes you well for the postseason. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. The, I don't know. I'm curious to see what his sort of thought process is in this and what his reasoning is to go to a team. But I suppose he'd want to go to a win-now team. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, then we move on to Monday, the Monday games. These were, again, it just carried over elite, elite. The Bucks hosted the Rams in what was going to be a duel of quarterbacks, and it really did lead to that at the end. But it started out the Rams, who just ran hot, didn't they? Oh, yeah, the Rams came out firing. And I think, what is it, 27 to 3? It almost looked like the 28 to 3 Falcons Patriots uh, Super Bowl. And again, I think we did the same. We, we counted them out. We said, look, this game's over. The Rams have won this. The Bucks are not coming back. And it, Look, towards, maybe he's got a bit of black magic. Maybe it's scripted. I don't even know. But they just managed to come back in this game. The acres fumble right at the end. Some of these plays were just crazy. Like, I don't know what happened. They dragged themselves back into the game. But the finish was just phenomenal, wasn't it? 
Yeah, it was unreal. I think it sort of started in that second quarter. They were up 27 to three and they had just taken a fumble off the, um, off the box. So you thought Rams have got it here. They're in box territory. Mm-hmm. They at least get a field goal here minimum, but they looked hot to have scored a TD. First play after the fumble, I don't know what the centre was doing, but he's just thrown it straight out of Stafford's head. And you just go, what is going on? Like, how are all these guys fumbling? Like, it's the perfect weather. We literally had a game in minus 17 degrees the day before, and I don't think there was a single fumble. Now we're in peak Florida, Tampa Bay weather, and these guys can't hold on to the fucking thing. Yeah. Uh, that was just super crazy. Like, the, I guess the crazy thing for me is that final drive, like, unbelievable by Matty Stafford and Cooper Cup. I just don't understand how Cooper Cup is always open. Like, I know they've got good receivers and their tight ends are decent, but he just manages to always be open. And that other play, like, their, their secondary is decent. Like, Winfield's decent. He just got burnt. That last play was an absolute bomb. Yeah, they just drew it up. I don't think they ever had any intention to go into anyone else. It was just Stafford to Cooper Cup, and that was it. And they just probably just said, oh, run it, run it, and I'll throw it. And I think that's all he needed. Uh, Stafford <laughs> has been a good QB, and we've seen him, but he just tosses it up and lets his guys play for it. Like you saw with Odell, uh, he just tossed it up to him multiple times and let him play for the ball. And I think that's why Odell's flourishing here, isn't it? Because he's being allowed to fight for the footy and do what he wants to do. He wants to get in one-on-one and beat that guy. Yeah, definitely. And we've talked about this before with situational players. Land in a bad situation, you're going to get poor play from a potential superstar player. Put him in a good position, he's going to succeed, he's going to flourish. And we've seen that from Odell. And I'm really happy for him, to be fair. And I know we saw during the week that he, uh, I mean, players are getting paid in Bitcoin these days. This is another sidetrack. And his Bitcoin currently, with the stock market going the way it is, is now worth absolutely piss all. Now, that's not might not stay that way, but a bit dangerous going forward, Dean. Uh, a little bit, yes, because I think especially with their high taxation rates, he's uh, he's copping it a little bit. So I think from what they valued it was about 750k originally. He's sitting at about 35k yep. after tax, so slight loss. Uh, you know, so my Ethereum's not doing as bad as that, but yeah, I'm feeling his pain. Yeah. Uh, yeah, look, I, I feel it's been too. I know I'm not hugely in the uh, crypto at the moment. I'm kind of glad that I'm not, but maybe time to buy the dip. Uh, but yeah, the market is horrible at the moment, as we all know, and we're wearing the absolute brunt of it. I uh, guess we now move us on to the final game of the season, which is probably the best of them all. Game of the century. Calling it early. You know, I love an early crow, but this had to be, this was ridiculous. Uh, and look, to be honest, it didn't really even kick off till about like the end of the third quarter. Like that fourth quarter was absolutely ridiculous. So first quarter, first quarter and first half, I suppose you could say, they struggled to get ascendancy. You know, it was a bit of backwards and forwards, both trying to feel each other out. At the end of the day, it was the QBs just running it. That's what made the drives go. I believe Paddy Mahomes and Allen both had the top, uh, both their teams' top rushing yards for that first half. Yeah, oh, these these boys were just had it on a string, and they yeah they were pretty much the whole part of the game. It, look, yeah, towards the end that really caught fire. I think the amount of points that were scored and the amount of yards that were thrown in like after the two minute warning was just phenomenal. These boys were out here, just had it on a string, throwing it to their receivers. I mean, Gabriel Davis was having an absolute field day, but that finish by Mahomes with 13 seconds left. That I mean, you'd think that's not enough time. 
I was unsure why they didn't squib kick it to run a bit of clock. That's mm -hmm. probably the biggest question mark for me coming out of that. You kick it out, out of the end zone. I know it lets them not run it back, but squib it, make them lose a bit of clock. I that's my thought. I think that, and then their final play defense. I don't know why they rushed. I think they rushed four. So, like, mm. why? There's no point. You're not going to sack him. There's no need to blitz because you literally just got to plug down and zone out. And it's not a really like they had a timeout, so it's not like you had to say allow that you know shot in tight as well and sit on the sidelines and allow them that short game. You literally just wanted to stop them from catching the football whatsoever. So. They shouldn't have rushed so many guys because then they could have plugged those holes because that's what they found. They were they were sort of taking away the sideline. And that's probably where that second touchdown, that last touchdown from Tyreek Hill came from because they gave them that open part of the field because they didn't want them to stop the clock as much. And he just zipped off, didn't he? <laughs> that was ridiculous. Yeah, the, some of the defensive schemes like throughout the whole game, like they're, they're such a good defense and I just don't know what the calls were towards them late in that game. I mean, credit to the Chiefs and Mahomes. That was phenomenal like that. Just to be able to get that to overtime, that, that is thoroughly deserving of everything that they did. But, yeah, that finish to that game was enormous. Now, I suppose this is where the issues are. This went to overtime and is hugely contentious. Now, a lot of people don't agree. A lot of people do agree. Flip of the coin, Bills lose the call, Chiefs get the call. They go ahead and score a touchdown. Game is over. If they kick a field goal, the Bills get right of reply. If they score a touchdown, they don't get right of reply. That's where my biggest confusion is. Why do you get a right of reply if they only kick a field goal? Why does it end on the touchdown and you don't get a right of reply? I don't know. What are your thoughts on the overtime rules? I think, yeah, definitely. It is a bit harsh, but I can sort of see where they're going because, like, if we're – say, for example, I'm just taking this game and not looking at any other games. These guys were just scoring mm -hmm. touchdowns at will. So where do we draw the line? Like, where does the right of reply stop, you know? Likely Mahomes scores that touchdown. We probably go back. Gabrielle Davis scores his fifth touchdown, let's be honest. And then what happens next? Mahomes probably goes down and he scores the next touchdown and then it's game over. So you essentially, like, you get one right of reply. I get that. But where, where do you draw the line? So I suppose this is probably where they're drawing the line um, because otherwise, I don't know, what could we end up with? Like, you could play it like hockey where you just play until – over time, so just play the 10 minutes flat and see what the score is at the end of that maybe. Um, mm. That could be another way. Or we go to the college system where you force them to just play offense versus defense, and then that way, you know, you always get the right, right of reply, but then you start making them do two-point conversions and things like that. You know, that, that could be a way that we do it, I think. But looking at the game as a whole, you don't really see this much high-powered offense. So I suppose the rule... Unfortunately, it's going to pop up in these kind of games, but it's only that once every now and again. Most of the time, we get through an overtime and it's fine. Like, look at the Chargers versus the um, no Chargers versus the Raiders at the end of the regular season. That one, mm. you know, similar sort of thing. We had guys going, and that could have just kept going. No one was really scoring a touchdown there, but it's just when you get these high-powered ones. Yeah, I suppose that's when it gets magnified the most. Because I think for me. I'd make slight variations, but I think the other team deserves a right of reply. If you've done enough to get yourself there, I suppose you deserve a chance. If you do score the touchdown, then it becomes sudden death. Next points win. I think that's probably maybe the most fair, but you're never going to get it fair enough for everyone. I think looking at overtime games in playoffs, the winning team from the coin toss, sorry, the coin toss, uh, ten and one. So there's only been one team that's lost the coin, won the, lost the coin toss and won the game. I think that was the uh, 
Bams in the NFC Championships in 2019 against the Saints. The rest have all won if they've won the coin toss. But when you look at the regular season, it's only a 50-60%, like maybe a 60-something percent win record if you win the toss. So I don't know what the difference is here, but I think there may be some changes in the offseason and we may see that change. Well, or do you think uh, that more people need to play like the Rams and not allowed to go to OT and try and score that extra two points? Yeah, well, I suppose that is the other side of the argument, isn't it? You've got 13 seconds left and you couldn't stop them. So what chance do you deserve of uh, winning it? <laughs> That's a tough one to bring up, isn't it? But look, oh, yeah. that was a yeah, great game. I think the Bills have surely showed that they're legit. They had a couple of hiccups throughout the year and we sort of thought, is this a championship team? But they came out there and really showed why they deserve to be there at the end. And that really should be the AFC championship game for the next four or five years going forward. Oh, absolutely. I think like it's it's absolutely ridiculous how well these two are. Josh Allen's just going to another level. So if they can keep this team together, they're just going to go to another level themselves. I suppose, the, I don't know if it's funny, I felt kind of sad. Stefan Diggs from the season before when he sort of stood there and watched the uh, the Chiefs celebrate last year and the memes all coming out saying, oh, he's waited a year to get revenge and he's had three catches for seven yards. So look, Diggs didn't have a great day. Davis picked up the slack, but yeah, I don't know. The only other thing I saw... There was a tweet that came out. It was kind of having a not a go, not a go at Brady, I suppose. Mahomes kind of topping him up. So percentage of playoff career wins without having a top 10 defense. Mahomes is 100%. Brady only has 11% wins without a top 10 defense. Has a couple of other guys in and out. Rogers is 50%. Peyton Manning, 78%. So Mahomes, I mean, he's doing it without a gun defense. Brady was doing it with an elite defense all the time. But that's just a question for another day. <laughs> Yeah, that is probably diving into a little bit. I think if Mahomes was would prefer, he'd probably want a top defense as well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right, but as we said, huge weekend of football. We turn our attention to the conference championships. Uh, we can imagine that these two games should be spectacular. Really, we have the Chiefs hosting the Bengals and the Rams hosting the 49ers. What do we want to dive into first? Oh, I guess we can look at the AFC Championships. Now, I suppose when you started the season, you'd say the Bengals have absolutely no right to be there, but they've proved their worth throughout these playoffs and throughout the regular season. I think it might be a step too far too soon, um, but again, that might play into their favour. Being the underdogs, that could sort of spur them on to get it done. What do you think? Yeah, I think they could be on for a huge one here. I said last week that they were sort of too young, that they were probably going to become undone, but... They turned up, and I think that's all they can do. Like, they topped the Chiefs by three points, I think, throughout the season, the regular season. Obviously, it's a quite different game in the playoffs, quite different feel. I think the Chiefs are a totally different team from what they were in the regular season as well. But they bring that confidence, they bring that swagger, and they've sort of got nothing to lose, the Bengals. And I think that's even more dangerous than being the favourite. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, it is. It's super dangerous when you're the underdog and you've got nothing to lose. I know the Chiefs, I mean, they've both got massive parts to lose, but your spot is not meant to be there when the Chiefs are meant to be there. Paddy Mahomes is four from four for AFC Championships and he wants to get more rings while this team is still together. I suppose his team's not going to be together forever and this is his moment now. If he can get to another one and get another ring, it really sets his career Hall of Fame status very early. Yeah, absolutely. So I suppose looking at the matchups, obviously, 
big concern for the Bengals will be Tyreek Hill. He was huge. They managed to keep him on lid on him last time. He had last time they met, he had six receptions for 40 yards, no TDs. Uh, also, the other one was Kelsey. He had five receptions for 25 yards and a TD. So they managed to get them quiet. The one that sort of popped up recently is Pringle. Now, he's been great through the postseason, mm. hasn't he? Really nice find because obviously the two weapons were always Hill and uh, Kelsey. But now you've got a guy like Pringle who's quite actually dangerous in that red zone. Oh, he is. Byron Pringle's been elite. I suppose he's a name. Again, like Mikol Hardman. He's another one. I don't know if he's injured or if he's playing. We haven't really seen a huge amount from him. But again, they've just got these weapons, as you said, that can pop up. doesn't have to be their two main guys. They've just got guys that can run these routes. Mahomes can find anyone in a freaking in a small window. So that's the issue for the, the Bengals, as you've just said. I think the secondary could get found out a little bit in this game. Yeah, and then on the flip side, you've obviously just got the basic connection of Chase and Burrow. Like, that is just dominant. Last time they were out, Chase had 11 receptions, 266 yards and three touchdowns. So he torched the Chiefs secondary. We know that their defense is a little bit better now. They run defense, but I, I think the secondary is pretty similar. So I, I'd assume they're going to have a bit of a field day. But the issue is, again, is it's going to be this Bengals line. Is it going to be able to hold up long enough for Chase to get mm. free and for him to be able to find him? Yeah, I suppose that's the biggest issue when we talk about Jamar Chase. I feel like we talk about Jamar Chase a lot and say, oh, if they find him out, they're going to, they're going to stop. And I mean, no one seems to find him out. He had that slump, not slump, but a sort of lower patch in the middle of the year. But he's just been lights out. Joe Burrow has been amazing. And as you've just said, if the Bengals can hold him up and not get him sacked as many times, they held a really good chance of winning this game. That's absolutely it. I think they've really got a chance. They've got other secondary players like Uzama and Higgins, and obviously Mixon's great in the backfield too. So you think if they manage to keep, keep those pieces together, they'll be able to put a strong thing. And to be honest, I like part of me says obviously Kansas City, they look like the strongest candidate coming in. But it's something about this Bengals team that makes you want to hop on and just fucking get along for the ride, eh? Oh, doesn't it? Like, as much as I don't like the Bengals because they're in AFC North and they're going to might potentially get to the Super Bowl, like, it is it is a fun ride. It is the team that everyone's sort of getting behind in this. And I suppose the only other driving force for me is that we do not see Jackson Mahomes and Brittany Mahomes at the Super Bowl again. Yeah, look, they are clearly causing too much trouble to be there. It'd be nice to not see them win. Uh, maybe that's tall poppy syndrome talking, but what are you going to do? <laughs> Absolutely. All right, shall we fire into the NFC Championship? Rams v 49ers, baby. Divisional matchup. Uh, very unlikely. We didn't see this sort of occurring. I suppose we sort of expected the Rams to do quite well, but it's the 49ers who have been the surprise packet. Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't had to throw a single touchdown to get his team this far. Do you think that is going to come back to haunt them? Uh, now, it's funny you say that. Uh, Jimmy G, when the 49ers, and he's thrown zero touchdowns, uh, he is 9-2 and two overall, and he is 3-0 and oh in the playoffs when throwing zero touchdowns. I don't know if this is an omen, but if you're a 49ers fan, maybe it's not a bad thing if he's not throwing touchdowns. Far out, yeah. And I suppose you look back on the regular season, they have the wood over the ramp. So they beat them earlier in the season 31-10. to 10. Uh, and then they also won that great game at the end of the se- uh, week 18, 27 to 24 in overtime. So they certainly have the mental wins over them this year. Do the Rams manage to bounce back? 
Yeah, look, at the end of the day, I believe the Rams have the uh, playoff caliber players. And I suppose that's what it comes down to at the end of the day. We've talked about this team having the superstars and maybe not performing as a team, but I think at the right time and when you need these guys in situations, they're going to stand up. Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, Von Miller has been playing really, really well for them. And then I guess on the offense, Cooper Cup's been phenomenal. Cam Akers back is good. But Matthew Stafford, I suppose for me, in the postseason, 75% completion, 285 yards per game, 6-0 and in touchdown intercepts, and 131 passer rating. Look, if he just continues that trend, they are going to walk over the top of these guys. He's been clean, hasn't he? It's been really good mm. to watch from him, dropping it in deep. And as we sort of said, he's getting those deep balls. He's making those playmakers play. Uh, he'll surely obviously have a bit of trouble with Bosa and the 49ers defence. But you think if they're able to get up, put enough pressure on them uh, early and keep some long sustained drives, they should be able to get on over the 49ers. Because as we sort of saw with the 49ers last week, they I suppose it was weather dependent as well. But even the week before against the Cowboys, it was just drive dependent. If they're not able to get any consistency, you can see that they can drop out of games for times at a point. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely they can. And I suppose that, as you sort of talked about before, when the 49ers-Rams game at the end of the season and then last week, like they just, yeah, as you said, they drop out of games and they just fall apart and they fall away. And that's when teams come back. The Bucks came back and then the 49ers came back and ran over the top of them. That's probably, if the 49ers can stick in late, they, then we're on. Yeah, absolutely. So I suppose, how do you see this rolling? I think I'm going to have to stick firm with the Rams. I just think they've just got too much strike power, both on offense and defense. They're all clicking at the right time. And I think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to have a tough day, so they're not going to be able to sustain much drives on the other side, and that's going to put more scoreboard pressure on them. Yeah, it definitely is. And I think, yeah, we're going to have to go the favorites here. I don't see either team causing an upset, um, and it makes for a great Super Bowl. A Rams, Chiefs, Super Bowl, is just going to be high-powered offense in LA. Couldn't ask for anything better, I don't think. No, it'll be huge. Also, what do you think about the Rams? Now, this is interesting. Only allowing mm. locals to buy tickets, so no 49ers fans, because I believe last time at SoFi, the the uh, away end was just so raucous that that's what tripped up the Rams a little bit. Yeah. Now, I was actually going to bring this up as well, and I saw Debo Samuel talking about it and just blowing up, which is fair. Like, I think... How can you limit people coming to the stadium depending on where they live? I think that's pretty unfair because, as you just said, that Week 18 matchup, I think it was a sea of red, I suppose, because the Rams have relocated a few times. Their fans are sort of here and there. 49er faithful would travel to anything, and they are huge, hugely supported all over California. I think it's pretty shit. So it's going to be interesting to see what the sort of picture is going to look like, how much red people are going to be there. Yeah, oh, I'm sure there'll be plenty of scalpers flogging them off as well, so I wouldn't be surprised if it's half-half. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But I think that wraps us up. It's going to be a huge conference championship. The only issue that we have is, is there's only two games of football this week. Normally, we've got a shit tonne more, but that's all right. Quality over quantity, as they say. But, uh, look, to wrap it up, anything else coming from you, Cam? Uh, nothing at the moment, I suppose. In the coming weeks, we're probably going to have a bit more on the outside things of football. I suppose coaching changes. There's going to be new coaches signed all over the shop. And then I suppose we're going to be able to dive into the uh, Pro Bowl and the Super Bowl matchup in next week's episode. Yeah, very excited for that. And we'll uh, see you all then. Catch you later.